Welcome to the PreparedX podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the PreparedX podcast. I'm your host, Rob Burton. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, before we get into today's, into today's uh, podcast, which is all around cyber incidents, uh, I want to let you know about the Principles of Effective Cyber Response, uh, which is a course that the International Crisis Management Conference, ICMC, uh, which uh, many of you know I'm involved in as well. Uh, this course is going to be run in August. I think we've run this uh, at least two times prior to this, a uh, very successful course. This course is August 10th and 11th. Uh, the cost is $595 for non-members, and if you're a member, you get about 20 or 25% off that rate. So again, a great course. Um, Mark Hoffman, who is actually uh, our speaker today uh, for the interview around cyber, will be delivering that course. So again, we're hosting that course coming up here pretty quick uh, in about a month's time, so we hope you can join us. Okay, uh, over to uh, episode 85, uh, responding to cyber incidents. There's no I in team. Of course, lots going on uh, in the world of cyber right now, uh, especially on the ransomware front, which is going to be uh, part of our discussion today uh, with Mark. Um, and uh, you know, this information uh, we get many of our customers uh, that we do cyber-related exercises for are always looking for uh, the latest uh, information as it relates to the challenges going on in the cyber world. Um, you know, a big part of that challenge is bringing teams together uh, outside of the IT function. So the rest of the organization is going to be involved in a cyber event. And uh, that's why we have Mark Hoffman here today. So uh, welcome, Mark, from Canada. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to be on with you, whether it's a webinar or at the course you mentioned or one of your podcasts. Well, thank you. And uh, for those of the, those that may not know you, Mark, uh, why don't you do just do a little bit of uh, background on yourself, um, and then we'll get started. Yeah, originally from the Philadelphia area, about 20 years or so ago, I moved to right around Toronto. Uh, I've been doing business continuity and crisis management consulting for, oh, 20 some odd plus years now. And uh, I was fortunate this year to be named by the Business Continuity Institute as their America's Region Consultant of the Year, which is really exciting. Um, and I'm really uh, honored and humbled to, to have that award bestowed upon me. And uh, it just kind of uh, you know, reflects my passion for the industry and what we do and making organizations more resilient. Um, and I just really love it, love what I do. And uh, like I said, love talking to you about it. Excellent, excellent. So let's get straight into it then, Q&A style today, um, as we often do uh, with our guests. Um, when was the first time that you realized that a ransomware or other major cyber breach incident was more than just an IT problem? I would say it's probably about five years or so, maybe a little bit more than that now. I was working with a client and we were doing some uh, exercising around their crisis management plan and their chief risk officer pointed out that uh, it was a fairly generic plan and it really didn't address explicitly uh, a cyber attack. Mm. And just about then the technology uh, lead, the, the head of uh, 
of the IT department there chimed in and said, well, no, we have a cyber incident response plan. So we started looking at it and we realized that their cyber incident response plan really focused just on the technology. And that's fine. And we really need that work and we need that team to be focused on those things. But, you know, the risk management work that was being done at the time and since uh, really made it clear that we've got to pay attention to cyber from a business impact perspective, from a crisis management, reputation management perspective. And so cyber was identified as the top priority. And I was asked to develop a response playbook that addressed the uh, communications aspect, reputation management aspect. How do we deal with things around legal and privacy issues? Uh, and basically, how do we make good decisions uh, when it comes to dealing with a cyber attack? And the idea is, and the concept that was formed coming out of that, is that it's a parallel work stream that you have the technology team out there doing the things that they do to identify and contain and mitigate um, and, and you know, clean things up from a technology perspective, but that you also have um, uh, you know, a, a mature crisis management plan that right. focuses on that cyber response. And, and yeah, I mean, that, that's always seemed to have been, uh, you know, some of the challenges that these organize, I mean, and it, whether it's um, an IT slash cyber issue, um, any issue really, is that your take on this now? You know, I mean, you know, I, I think we went from teams um, coming together for specific incidents. So you get a security team coming together for the security incident, but really, if it is or turns out to be, you know, a major event, then we really need uh, the wider audience around the table. You have to, you have to have the subject matter experts at the table doing what they do. Uh, we published together an article just a, a week or so ago that talked about the missing ingredient in cyber response. And right. one of the things that we talked about is that there's always this focus on the technology side, but we tend to be missing the other uh, subject matter experts around the table. So when we think about forming that crisis management team in a cyber uh, response, you know, in, in response to a cyber incident, you know, you have to have that cyber lead as a member of the team. Now, your CISO or the person who's in charge of the overall response from a cyber perspective is going to be wearing some, you know, dual hats here a little bit because they're going to need to be focused on that technology response, but they also need to come to the crisis management table to be able right. to explain the details of the incident, what the attack is, what does it look like, what systems are affected, what work are they doing to try to, uh, you know, get the systems back online, are other systems going to be taken down as a precaution so that the malware doesn't spread. Uh, details of the ransom, timing, threats, all these other things that they're going to be on the front line with this information. We want them to present that information to the business so that the business understands the impact of whatever is going on. Yeah, System X is down. That's fine. But what without that, what System does that mean? X, yeah, right. What does that mean? Right. What is as exactly what? That's right. So what? What does that mean? Does it mean you know, we can't process orders, we can't do payroll, we can't, what, you know, what's, what's the issue? And so it's got to go beyond that technology 
point of view. And I like to have um, a, a number of people around the table and and really this is an op, uh, you know, not optional. Let me kind of give you some ideas of, of people you're gonna want around that, that crisis management table to deal with the cyber response. Absolutely gonna want your communications lead, whether it's done through a corporate communications team, some small organizations like to rely on their marketing people to do it. That's fine. You need that comms person there. You absolutely need to have legal there to handle not only the legal response, but also your privacy response. Of course, your technology team, particularly we're going to be trying to rely on utilizing backups to restore systems, things like that. I want that tech lead there to be able to tell me, how is it going? What's the timing look like? Uh, you start to compare then the timing of our ability to recover against the ransom demand payments or other threats that are going on. And you start to evaluate where you, you are. And then I like to have business partners there too. So System X, we talked about System X might be crypto locked. That's fine. System X is used by what groups? And so I like to bring them to the table so that they can talk about the impact that it's having on their ability to function. What's the impact on the operation? Is there a financial impact with them being offline? Reputational impact, maybe some kind of a regulatory impact and let them come to the table so that they can explain it. And the crisis management team is hearing firsthand from the business this is how this is affecting me. And, and that's really the goal here is firsthand information. You've brought your cyber lead in and that person has told you about the attack and now you've brought your business leads in and they're telling you about the impact that the attack is having on the operation. And that way you have really good information there. And then one other person that I just strongly recommend is bring the person to the table who is most familiar with your cyber insurance policy, the person who has the, re the relationship with your insurer. Make sure they understand the ins and outs of the policy, the exclusions, the limitations, all of the coverages and things like that. Make sure that they know the process for engaging the insurance company and uh, you know, make sure that they're part of the response team as well. That's a, that's a great point. I, we often see that um, legal being heavily involved in that. <clears throat> I'm not sure if you see the same. I, I see legal. Uh, I see sometimes it's handled by risk, yep. um, uh, sometimes by finance. But yeah, it doesn't, I, doesn't matter who it is as long as, uh, as part of the planning process, as you're developing this cyber response playbook or response plan, whatever you want to call it, make sure that there's a thorough uh, investigation and understanding done of the insurance policies. So again, you know all of those things. You know what your deductibles are. You know what your coverages are, limitations and things like that. A perfect example, I was doing a review like this for a client not that long ago. And there was a limitation clause in there that said that if a breach occurred because of a vulnerability that was found on a laptop and that laptop was not encrypted, that that particular breach would not be covered by the insurance. And so I was talking to the head of IT and I, I asked him if he knew about this clause and he said, no, he wasn't aware of it. 
And by the way, no, we're not encrypting our laptops. And so there was a vulnerability that was just waiting for them, a, a gap that was you know, there that was gonna bite them right. um, if something like that happened. So it's good to do an evaluation of that stuff ahead of time. I think that leads right into my next question here with regards to um, what's the first step uh, the business should take with regards to uh, integrating you know, incident management and, and crisis management uh, that includes you know, all of the uh, other key functions. I think there's a couple of first steps. I think the first thing is to get on the same page. Um, I've worked with a lot of clients where they're expecting the IT lead or the cyber lead to head up this entire crisis response. And I, and I think it's good to work in a parallel work stream, as I've mentioned. And so I think that's probably the first thing that you need to do is just get everybody on the same page, coordinate with the cyber lead, make sure they understand, look, we're not trying to come in here and tell you how to do things. We don't want to get involved in the technical aspect of this. But when it comes to the communications piece, we have people for that. Right. Same with legal and privacy and insurance and all of these other things. And so, you know, get organized first and make sure people understand what their roles are going to be. But then you start to get into a little bit more detail. And I, one of the things I like to start with is understanding default positions to key decisions. It is very reasonable to assume that in the middle of a cyber attack, ransomware attack, data breach, whatever you're going through, that you're going to have to make some really important decisions. And so rather than thinking of those decisions for the first time in the middle of the attack, I like to work with leadership teams and get them to give thoughtful consideration ahead of time as to what decisions they're going to need to make and then to get them to align on a default position. So let's say, for example, one of the decisions you're probably going to have to make is, are we likely to pay a ransom? And so we talk to the leadership team about their default position on this. And I always encourage people, you know, I don't want you to think about this from an emotional response. I want you to think about this from your company's values and your risk appetite and the impact that your decision is likely to have on the reputation and your stakeholders and things like that. And you land on a default position. And maybe the default position is no, we're not inclined to pay ransom. Okay, that's good. That's a right. very fine default position. But then give some thought on top of that to things that might move you off of that position. What if there was threat of a data breach? Does that move you towards paying now? Right. And so, you know, I work with customers all the time where we go through, there's probably about 10 or so of these decisions. And we give some thoughtful consideration ahead of time to what our default positions are so that when we get into it, we've already thought this through. Yeah, I knew we were going to have to think about this. And by default, we're aligned here. And then you you have a good starting point rather than scratching your head and wondering and having a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, it's much better to give that thoughtful consideration ahead of time. Yeah, so important. I mean, critical decision-making during uh, you know normal hours, if you will, normal routine um, is difficult enough. Uh, um, but then you add the stress of you know a, a large-scale you know event that's uh, consuming you. 
And then all of a sudden you have to ask those questions for the first time. So I, I totally agree. The more work you can do up front on, on those, just, you know, just discussing them is great, but then also uh, running through exercises to put a little bit more pressure on in more realistic, uh, although simulated uh, conditions is also beneficial. Correct. Um, so what are the major benefits then from having uh, this approach? Well, the first thing is it's coordinated. Everybody knows their role going in. There's no jockeying for position. There's no posturing. There's no fighting over who has control or responsibility for what. Everybody knows what their role is. And, you know, it's going to limit the confusion when it comes time to execute the plan. Uh, the other thing is it's prepared. You know who to call, you know how to communicate, you know basically what you're going to say because part of the development here is to, uh, is to put together a good communication strategy that has templates for the statements that you're going to use. You know who your company spokesperson is. You might have some canned question and answers ready for them, uh, or certainly uh, ready enough that you can alter them at the time of the incident and fill in some details. And so you really have a good handle on what your response is going to look like. And you know the other benefit is that it makes you as ready as you can be. Right. You've thought this through. Like I said before, you're not just thinking of things for the first time when you face these hard decisions, you've given thoughtful consideration to them. And, and that just gives you a little bit of confidence because you can rely on the fact that, no, you know what, we've thought this through. We've talked about this during blue sky days right. under controlled situations where we have challenged each other. We've asked people to say, okay, how do you feel about this? Are we likely, for example, to call law enforcement. What's our position on that? Well, there's a lot of different points of view on that. And so I would rather have that debate and that discussion ahead of time while we're planning rather than it turning into a heated argument because people right. are under stress, you know, at time of crisis. So it gives you a, a heightened uh, sense of confidence that you've thought this through and that you're prepared for the the incident and for how to manage it excellent excellent so um, as we start to wrap up here um we like to you know end by you know talking about uh, you know exercises and, and the benefits of that so why should these cross-functional teams rehearse their capabilities to cybersecurity incidents well for me it comes down to a, a fairly simple question do you want to be world-class or half-assed um, you know, this is a fairly complex problem that you're dealing with, and you can't make this stuff up as you go. You, you have to not only have a plan, but having a plan is only half of the battle. You have to know how it's executed. I think of the Blue Angels. You know, you, you know what I mean? The Blue yep. Angels that, yep. that, that do the air shows, they do about 60 shows a year. They did before the pandemic, and I'm sure they will again. So 60 shows plus practice runs, you know, they're in the air, they're doing different things. But before they get in the air, they sit in the conference room, 
and they walk through their entire routine. Right. And they call it out. They call out specific uh, maneuvers. They're counting beats. They're getting their timing exactly right. And if you've ever seen it, they're sitting there with their eyes closed and they're counting to a certain beat and then calling the next maneuver and they're getting it exactly right. They focus on precision. And the reason that they do that is because they're flying F-18s and they're pulling seven Gs and a mistake can be fatal. Now, what we have to understand here is you're responding to a cyber attack. It's You've got to get this right. Mistakes can be fatal and they, they could be fatal for your company. But even if they're not fatal for your company, they can certainly be fatal for your employment if, if you have responsibility to get these folks ready and they're not ready. So I don't care if you call it practice, rehearsal, exercising, testing, whatever it is you want to call it, that's fine with me as long as you do it. It's, yep. the, it's the Vince Lombardi approach. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. And I always tell people, practice like you play. If you're going to dog it in practice, you're not going to hustle when it comes game time. Right. And so I really encourage people to not only exercise, but to raise the bar on your exercises, to come up with plausible scenarios that are going to reflect something that you're very likely to see if you are the victim of a cyber attack. So you know your vulnerabilities. Be honest with the vulnerabilities. You know what your sensitive data is. Be honest with it. And don't give yourself a free pass here. Challenge yourself and say, okay, let's assume our most critical system, our most you know, highly sensitive system is attacked and there's a data breach. How are we going to respond to it? And you know, the harder that you work in that scenario, the more prepared that you're going to be in a real life situation. Excellent information. Well, I <clears throat> appreciate your time today, Mark. And uh, the listeners, have you got any final comments? And uh, how can they get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Well, I always like to have people connect with me on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and we can put the, the link to that, I guess, yeah. in, the, in the podcast notes. So that's cool. We can do that. The other thing I would say is, if you're not sure that you're prepared for uh, responding to a cyber attack, then you're not prepared. Like, you, you know in your gut whether you're ready or not. And I would encourage you to, to take that next step and go ahead and, and get yourself more prepared to know how to respond effectively. So what, do you, what should you be focusing on? What do you, what's your communication strategy? Do you have insurance? If you don't, why not? But if you don't, what do you need? Get with it. If you do have insurance, what are the restrictions? What are the limitations? Make sure you know it. Do you know what your legal response is going to be? Do you know what your privacy responsibilities are? Get that plan in place. And so, the, I mean, if, if you're just starting out, you're trying to figure this out, come to the course that we offer. It's a, it's a very affordable course. You're going to get two, three-hour sessions online, and I'm going to walk you through 
everything from uh, making good decisions to building a team to building an effective communication strategy. We'll talk about privacy. We'll talk about legal privilege. We'll talk about all kinds of stuff, insurance. And you're going to walk away from this um, with a really good understanding of uh, how to build a response plan when it comes to cyber. Uh, a quick story. I had someone uh, came to a course several months ago. Uh, and as it turned out downstream, I actually, um, they became a client of mine. And so when I was talking to the, to the CISO, I said, hey, you were in my course. He's like, yeah. I said, let me see your cyber response plan. And I'll tell you, it brought a tear to my eye. He had this plan <laughs> laid out just like we described it. Nice. It was so nicely done. And, um, you know, so it's, it's very practical stuff. And so, um, you know, I would, I would encourage you, whether you come to the course or not, don't sleep on this. You do not want to just, you know, ignore this because, you, you know, we saw over the holiday weekend with the Kaseya attack, you know, 1,500 companies were attacked simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's unprecedented. We're seeing a lot more uh, of an aggressive approach from, from the bad actors. And so I just, I'm becoming an evangelist of making sure people are, uh, you know, not, not falling asleep at the switch here and that they're getting out and, and paying good attention to this. So that would be my closing, my closing word, Rob. Excellent. Well, I appreciate your time again today, Mark, and I look forward to seeing you in August for the Principles of Effective Cyber Response. So just as a reminder, the 10th and the 11th of uh, August, that course will be delivered. And if you want more information, go to crisisconferences.com and you'll find out uh, the details on that training course. So uh, thanks again, Mark, and thanks for all the listeners um, for listening in today on episode 85. We'd appreciate it if you would share this podcast on your network, wherever you're listening to us, uh, iTunes, please rate us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on episode 86. Thanks, Mark. Take care. All right. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate you.